Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 190. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Fresh out of the movie theater. Fresh out of the theater. It's probably been a while since you've actually seen a movie in the theater, hasn't it? It's Sicario. Wow. Well, that's one. That's, it's been a while. It's yeah, been a while. Unfortunately. Well, that movie that we're going to be talking about this week is Sam Mendes' latest Bond film, Spectre. That's going to be our only review this week. We'll also be talking about some of what we've been watching, uh, doing movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Before we jump into some news, I want to thank our latest Patreon subscriber, Jacob Kerrigan. If you want to be like Jacob and be a cool kid and help support what we do at Film Pulse, you can go to patreon.com slash filmpulse and send us some money. Send us a pledge for as little as $1 per month. <laughs> we appreciate that so very much. You don't have to. It's still free. I just appreciate that you just come out and say it. Like, just give us some money. If you well, can. I think honesty if you can. I think honesty is the best policy, normally. So, that's how we do it. We're, we're very honest. I mean, a lot of people think that these, like, crowdfunding things, it's just people looking to pocket money. But that's really not... That's really not the goal of our Patreon. I'm not pocketing any of the money. It's it's going right back into the site. Like, we have screenings to pay for. We have travel. We have hosting fees. All of this various things. And it would just be nice to have a buffer where we can cover that stuff. And that's where you guys come in. I would rather do that. Have our, our readers and listeners and viewers support us than have those ads that pop up that take up you know you're reading an article you're having you're you're diving into a review or whatever and then all of a sudden boom there's a full page ad that comes up and blocks what you're reading and you have to click out of it but sometimes the x is so small you end up clicking on the ad itself and it redirects you to some well, bullshit it, page it just makes everything lag like crazy yeah or it, it, just, or it just kills chrome altogether <laughs> it drives me nuts so what I would love to do is just have our site be completely uh, listener and viewer and reader supported. So again, patreon.com slash film pulse. We appreciate that so very much. Let's start off by jumping into some news. First up today, Shane Cruz, The Modern Ocean has its cast revealed, which includes Anne Hathaway, Keanu Reeves, Daniel Radcliffe, Chloe Grace Moretz, Tom Holland, Asa Butterfield and Jeff Goldblum, along with Caruth himself. Sweet Jesus! Yeah, what do you think about this? What do you What do you think about Caruth going somewhat mainstream for his next movie? Oh, please, <laughs> I I want to see what he does. I don't care. I want to see what he does because you know it's going to be something. It's well, going to be interesting. Know, At the very least, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we don't know too much about this movie now we we interviewed him a long long time ago and even back in that interview he talks about this movie this is a movie that's been kind of his his baby for a long time he's been trying to get this one off the ground for a really long time but he's uh, if you're familiar with him he's kind of uh i guess he's kind of an auteur really he he does everything he likes to be in complete control over every aspect of his movies and as such he doesn't like studio involvement or anything like that he likes to do everything himself i mean he even with when uh, upstream color came out he even distributed the damn thing himself so he he i don't i think that he's really reluctant to relinquish any type of control over his 
films. However, this one, from what I understand, is gonna it's gonna require a much larger budget than he's ever worked with before. It sounds like it. Does so, he want like does he want like full on like uh, naval battles? Yeah, like giant, <laughs> like giant. Uh, it's supposed to be some sort of high seas adventure. So. Yeah, he's going to have a big budget with this one, so he ended up signing to uh, a big agency to help facilitate that. So I guess along with that comes a pretty impressive cast. So this is, it's pretty exciting. I think that he will probably have all kinds of stipulations in any contract that he signs that still give him full creative control. So I'm not concerned about you know, the big studio taking over his movie and, and turning it into something that he doesn't want it to be. Yeah. I'm not concerned with that at all. So I, I think that it's this cast announcement's uh, pretty great. It's got a, a lot of great people in it. Looks like a fairly young cast with uh, most of the people. Yeah. Oh, I'm, but I'm, I'm really excited. I can't, I can't wait. This is ridiculous. And, and I also like that he didn't wait, you know, seven years or whatever to get his next movie started i think actually that's why it took upstream color so long because he was working he wanted to do this one after primer but it was taking so long that he ended up temporarily shelving it to do upstream color in the interim yeah so yeah that's uh pretty exciting this week duncan jones was in the in the news quite a bit so this is the director of the upcoming warcraft movie he also did moon and related to that, his upcoming movie called The Mute had a little bit of news come out this week. Now, this is another one that's been gestating for a long time. He's been working on this one for, for quite a while, but there's been some movement this week in that a- uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Paul Rudd have signed on to be in the film. And it was also revealed that Sam Rockwell is going to be in it, and he's going to be reprising his role from Moon. So it's going to be taking place in the same universe as moon Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is fantastic very excited about this so Skarsgård will play leo a mute bartender in a dystopian berlin and rudd will play a mysterious american surgeon Mm -hmm. so it's going to be kind of a blade runner-esque uh theme i think or aesthetic rather i'm all about it i'm all about this is a good week of news yeah well there's some Sad news, it's coming right up after this. Clint Clint Mansell will also be doing the score for this one. He's the same guy that did the score for Moon, which was a fantastic score, if you remember that. Uh, Very very exciting. Very exciting stuff. I think that Duncan Jones has a lot of promise as a director. He's only had two movies out so far. He did Moon and Source Code. But I liked both of them quite a bit, uh, especially Moon. So I'll, I'll be very excited to find out more about the mute now it should be noted that this is nowhere near uh getting off the ground as far as pre-production or anything like that this is from a pitch that they're putting together a sales package rather so they're currently shopping it around and adding alexander skarsgård and paul rudd and sam rockwell into the sales package makes it more likely to get picked up by yeah someone. it's a pretty good pitch yeah i'm sure that I'm sure that he'll be able to do it. Although, I don't know, depending on the budget. If um, it sounds like it's probably going to require a large, pretty large budget. So maybe that's why they're doing this in the first place. 
rather than trying to just go right to investors or whatever. I don't know. We'll see. Next up, Melissa Matheson, the screenwriter of E.T., passed away this week. She was 65. She also wrote the screenplay for Spielberg's upcoming adaptation of uh, the Roald Dahl book, the BFG. Mm. So very, very sad news for that. Also, this is actually kind of, this just happened. I believe I just read about this this morning. Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, also passed away, and he was 68. Mm. So very, very sad news on that front. Man, the original Leatherface, he was just one of the most frightening, nightmarish characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they they never quite, at least in my opinion, they never quite nailed the character of Leatherface in any of the sequels or remakes. They just, they, I don't know if it was his mannerisms, but they just, they, I don't know. They never quite got it right again after Gunnar Hansen. So... Very, very sad news on both of those uh, unfortunate passings. Yeah. New trailers this week. We have Warcraft. So I played World of Warcraft uh, a bit. I was, uh, I was never like super, super into it like, like a lot of people. But I did play it, so I am familiar with it. And I got to say, the, the, the trailer's looking promising. It looks pretty much exactly how I expected. It's very heavy on the CG. It's got that kind of Lord of the Rings vibe to it. Yeah. Where it's set in a fantasy world, but it also looks kind of gritty. Uh, I think it's it's promising. I think that maybe this is going to be the movie that kind of breaks the video game curse. I hope so, at least. But what I'm wondering is if they're going to try to turn it into, like, 50 different sequels or whatever. I just... I don't want any of that. I mean, I'm sure they're looking to make it into a franchise, but oh, sure. I don't know. We'll see. Are you? Do you have any interest in Warcraft? Mm-hmm. No. 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 A new Japanese trailer for Star Wars: The Force Awakens came out. I did not watch this because I'm I'm gonna try to put the blinders on. We'll probably see more international trailers that have new bits of information and new bits of footage and i'm gonna try to avoid all of that stuff uh i heard that there are some new new things in the japanese trailer but i'm actively avoiding anything star wars at this point until (laughs) it comes out uh one one that i did not avoid was the hateful eight got a new trailer Uh i'm wondering if this was already planned or if this was in response to the whole tarantino thing that we reported on last week that's still going on by the way Mm -hmm. it's still happening it's still in the news what the hell uh new trailer for the hateful eight's great makes me even more excited to see this one really excited i I don't i'm not i'm not that excited actually i don't know why i just it hasn't it hasn't hit me yet watch you should check out the new trailer maybe that'll get you pumped I, give it I, a think shot. The new, I think the new trailer might get you a little pumped. Another one that I'm actually really excited for is Spike Lee's new film, Chirac. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great trailer. I gotta, should I watch that trailer, too? Yes. Okay. I wanted to yes. go into that one cold, but... Uh, well, see, with, that, with this one, I didn't really know, know much about it. And so when the trailer hit, I was just like, oh, okay, well... 
I'll just give this a look. And man, I was, I'm really excited about it. It looks like it's going to be really not surreal, but uh, maybe theatrical in that, in that it looks like they, they're they going to be breaking the fourth wall a lot and it's going to be very stylized. Yes. Give it. So, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. And it, just judging from the trailer, it looks gorgeous, but you know, we'll, we'll see about that. I, I, I don't I don't know about Nick Cannon being playing like a gangster though. That that kind of That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. But but we'll see either way. I'm really excited for it. Uh finally in trailers. Now this isn't all the trailers that came out. These are just a few of the notable ones. Alice through the looking glass. Ah, oh, sweet Jesus. The... I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't either. I had no idea that they, that this was actually something not only that was being made but something that is complete enough that they can make a trailer out of it uh it looks terrible i i don't understand i took a look at the i watched this when i posted it up on the site and i was just like man this i didn't see the original one so or the you know the first the tim burton one yeah uh tim burton's not doing this one he's producing it but he's not directing it so it's not even a Tim Burton thing, but everybody else is in it. Everybody that was in the original one, like Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter and Mia Wasikowska, they're all back in it. Really? But yeah, it, it looks, really? to me, it looks horrible. It but it sounds horrible. Yeah. I don't know. All right. <clears throat> I saw, uh, are, you, are we done with trailers? No, you can go ahead if you have more. I have one trailer because I just saw it today. And that's the trailer for Moby Dick. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. That movie looks like one of the worst movies. It's not called Moby Dick, though. What, yeah, I forget what it's called. I just what's called like the Heart of the Sea. Yeah, or something. something like that. But good lord, does that look awful? Yeah, that, I have no interest. Absolutely in that. terrible. Ron, Ron Howard's really hit or miss for me, but uh, that does not appeal to me no. whatsoever. And it just looks—it looks god awful. I mean, every little, I mean, it, of course it's a trailer, but every line of dialogue from the trailer was just, it was hilarious. And I don't really think that they were going for comedy. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, think, I don't so. think. I could be wrong, but I'm like 99% sure they were not going for comedy. But yeah, they nailed one. comedy. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. That shit was hilarious. That's all I have. It's the only trailer I saw. Uh, viewer comments this week, there was only one comment that I wanted to to read, and that's because it, it, it kind of brings up something that I wanted to talk about. Uh-oh. On our Nasty Baby review on YouTube, somebody by the name of Reek, I'll say Reek, it's R-E-I-Q, we'll, okay. we'll call him Reek, said, quote, thanks for the spoilers, dot, dot, dot. All right, I want to talk a little bit about how we do our reviews and how we approach spoilers on this show. We do everything that we can to avoid anything that would be considered a spoiler when we talk about a movie. Most of the time, we don't even do spoiler discussions, only if it's a movie that has like some really big reveals at the end or whatever. Then we'll do a spoiler discussion, but we always disclose when it's going to be. Sometimes we put it at the very end of the show... And sometimes we'll actually like section off something and put in the time codes. Yeah. But 
We always avoid spoilers. Now with Nasty Baby, spoiler. We specifically said, <laughs> specifically it's said in the synopsis that we in the synopsis of the movie. And if you see the trailer of the movie at the end, they show something at the end that kind of that kind of infers what happens in the movie. But I do not consider what's in a synopsis a spoiler. I mean, you got to draw a line somewhere, you know. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, and I don't, I'm I don't... so tired of people and their spoilers. Like, if you are really worried, like if you're going to get upset if something gets spoiled, or that you're, you know, you're worried that that's going to happen, then don't fucking listen or read reviews for the damn thing. Just yeah. like, are just go go see the movie. Yeah, just. If if you if you're not sure whether or not you should go see a movie, and you, and you should kind of I, I know, you should. I mean, you're the only person that can know if you're interested in it or not. And plus, if you, the only way that you would not be spoiled, quote unquote, with Nasty Baby is if you literally knew nothing about the movie at all. Like even if like if you're going through iTunes and looking for a movie to rent. The synopsis is right there. If you're looking on IMDb, which is where we read the synopsis, it's right there. You know? (laughs) Come on. It's time to... People need to take ownership of their taste. You should know by now what you're interested in and what you're not interested in. And just go see it. Yeah. Just go see it. Or if you absolutely have to know what critics thought, just look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. If it seems like a reasonable score, don't read any of the reviews, don't read any of the little blurbs. Just go see it and then and then and then read the reviews and see what other people thought. See if if your opinion about it, you know, differs from theirs or maybe you missed something that they saw or whatever. Yeah. Or just like not... when, when I read reviews, I I always do it after the fact. Oh yeah. You know, unless unless it's a mo- uh, a review that I'm actually editing for the site, in, in which case it's not much of a choice, but um, I always read reviews after the fact, so I can see if there was... You yeah, because it's just interesting it, to see what me, other people picked up yeah, on them. To me, it's almost a conversation, uh, like a discussion piece. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't understand people that read reviews before they see a movie. I just don't, I don't understand that. Well, I think by and large, a lot of people read reviews as kind of uh, uh to see if they should bother paying money to go see a movie, and I, I think yeah, but really you, like you said, there's the, nowadays you have so many things. You Metacritic, you go see what the score is on IMDb, what the Rotten Tomatoes percentage yeah. is, probably and, and, part and, of some letterbox group or Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, just look at the. If you want to know what a good community score is, look at the letterbox ratio and see how many people are giving it like threes and fours and fives. And, and just well, yeah. The, 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 the easiest thing, the easiest thing is number one. You, you know, you're probably following people that have somewhat similar taste to you. You just go into like the the watch section of it. You know, where it just shows the little avatar of them and their name, and then just what their star rating was. It doesn't show you know any review or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it's just all the whole list of them. You can just scroll down through and see what see what you're working with. Yeah, and I think that that works better. If you go to Letterboxd, that works better than an aggregate site like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic. Because, again, we've talked about this a million times, but those aggregate scores are not nearly as accurate as 
what most people think. If a movie well, has 87%, pe- people are going to think, well, like, oh, that's a brilliant movie. That's like, yeah, that's awesome. It, it went, but it's 87% of critics gave it a fresh score. Yeah. And then you got to consider too, like you don't get the, you don't get to like cultivate, you know, who you're looking at here. I mean, it could be 87%. You know, 87 Peter Travers. Yeah, you know, all, all these people, all these film critics that have the exact opposite taste of you. Right, right. Yeah. And and again, that, that 87% could have been 87 out of 100 critics gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean that they, they all loved it. So that's why I think, yeah, letterbox. you know, look at the scores of the people that you're following. If you're not sure if it's going to be worth seeing or not. But if you read a review or listen to a podcast that has a review, I, I, I stand by our statement that we do not spoil movies. If there are big twists, if there's something huge that happens at the end, yeah, because I didn't say we're not going to say, say what who, it is. We didn't say who died. I mean, yeah. it's pretty easy to figure out what it, what, but the, what's going to happen. But in in Nasty Baby, it wasn't even about that. That's the thing. Like that movie. Well, that's the other thing that kind of bothers me. Like you could go ahead and just spoil every movie for me because i don't really care i want to see how it's done i still i'm still going to be interested in to see the execution of it yeah exactly yeah it's like it's like seeing a documentary where you you know that that's what happens <laughs> yeah but based but on you it. still see it based just because of story. because of everything else yeah you know like you may know what happens in nasty baby but you don't know the circumstances you don't know what leads up to that and you don't know how they execute it. Yeah, that's the so. interesting thing. So if you're only interested in narrative, then you should be reading books. <laughs> yeah. Or again, actively James, avoiding James any reviews. Get your James Pattersons. <laughs> they got like 800 of those. Pick them shit yeah. up. There's, there's a lot of those. He comes out with one every week. True story. It, yeah. Also, I feel kind of bad for judging this person or you know like we just went on a tirade of like how you should be well you don't have to listen to us you can do whatever you want it's your life yeah but it's uh, there was this one person's comment but it was something that i wanted to to discuss because i think it's an ongoing it's like an ongoing thing the whole spoiler thing it's just it's a never-ending thing and i don't know if we've ever really talked about our our specific procedures and uh, policies when it comes to yeah, because avoiding I, spoilers. But... I remember on Letterboxd, I wrote a review for Whiplash, and I just like I started off with like there should be a moratorium on the on the 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 T bone collision in movies. Oh, and it was like get... fucking spoiler, dude. And I'm like, that's not even like that's like a small thing in the movie. How's that a spoiler? A car they gets, wouldn't know that that's a gets spoiler. They wouldn't know that that's a spoiler unless they saw the movie. Yeah, which is just and by like, that point, wait. it's not a spoiler anymore because you saw it. I don't understand. Yeah. Well, at any rate, uh, if you're not familiar, if you haven't listened to any of our reviews, like the one you're about to listen to, we're not going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil within the if first three seconds. If it's in the damn, if it's in the synopsis, it's not a spoiler. Sorry. Hey, because guess, hey, guess if, what? Bond makes it out. Surprise. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Villain uh, dies. Bond wins. Anyway. Anyway. Let's talk about some Spectre. So this is directed by Sam Mendes. I, I we have just some... discussed it. We're gonna, well, we're gonna talk about it more. Yeah, we're I gonna thought I gave you more. like everything you needed to know, but okay. 
I have a synopsis here. A cryptic message from Bond's past sends him on a trail to discover a sinister organization. While M battles political forces to keep the Secret Service alive, Bond peels back the layers of deceit to reveal the terrible truth behind Spectre. Mm. The stars Daniel Craig, Christoph Waltz, and Leah Sadu? Mm-hmm. Naomi Harris. And Naomi, Dave Bautista. Yeah, Naomi Harris, Dave Bautista. All right. I'm going to start this one off because I have a disclaimer. Uh-uh. I feel that it's necessary that, that before we get into it that I that I mention this. I fell asleep probably five times during this movie. <laughs> and it's not that I was especially tired when I went into the theater. It's just that I was so dreadfully bored by this movie that I could not. Stare. I have one so, question. Did you fall asleep during that awful Sam Smith song? No, I was still awake. Ah, damn, point. you had to sit through that? Shit. Yeah, I, I was awake at that point. Is that not like the that oh my god. I don't like any I I don't like any of the Bond songs. Hit that never song that song them, so. sounded like a fucking wind machine. <laughs> it's just so fucking boring. Is awful. Uh, so I feel that it's necessary that I that I kind of disclose that information before uh, giving my opinions because there were bits and pieces that I probably do you know how it was not, ends? Was not conscious for. Did it, did he sleep through the end? Um, no, I think I was no, I was I was awake for pretty much. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna... probably pr- probably almost everything in the final act. Okay. Was when we discuss this, I'm gonna try and piece together, do a little investigative work, try and piece together the parts where you fell asleep. Uh, if it wasn't a loud action scene, I was probably asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so like seventy five percent of the movie slept through. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, okay, so I'll I'll start off with the the beginning, the the whole the Mexico City <laughs> scene where it was like uh, one. One very long take for the mm-hmm. most part, like that. I liked all of that stuff. That it was, I thought it was a really good cold open, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, I was into that. And I was like, "All right, here we go, Bond's back, baby. Here we go." And then after that, the Sam Smith, I was like, <laughs> and then I just, I just kept fading and fading and fading. And uh, I, in summation, I did not like Spectre. <laughs> This was this was not for me. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much there with you. I mean, I didn't fall asleep. I would have welcomed it, <laughs> but that didn't happen. You you were actively <laughs> trying to fall asleep. I was getting pissed off at the action sequences because they kept waking me up. It's pissing me off. And I honestly, a, a lot of the action sequences, I like the set pieces and stuff. I wasn't that um, impressed Did, with. To be no. quite honest, I. Um, it just they didn't wow me. Mm-mm. I thought that most of it was while technically they were all technically very sound, like they looked good. Uh, a lot of the the car chases, the explode, lots of explosions in this one too. This is a giant explosion at the end. Sorry, Which spoiler. Is... <laughs> <laughs> that that giant explosion was awesome, by the way. But the. For the most part, I thought that all the action scenes, all, all the set pieces were very technically sound. Like, they looked good, but as far as the what they were, it was just pretty pretty generic stuff. Like, to me, it was pretty boring. Well, for me, the beginning, like, the, the, the opening was, it was all right. I, I liked the, 
I like that it was Day of the Dead and everything. And I thought it looked fantastic with all the people and stuff. And it did. It got me amped up. I was getting amped up. Well, I think the music too. Yeah, the music. Scene, it really because it kept building. And you're just like you're like, oh man, what's what, going on? What's what, he up to? And then you know they get in the helicopter. And it's just a helicopter like spinning around out of control for like what felt like 15 minutes. That, and I'm just like, oh, okay, like it's a helicopter spinning around. Like there's no tension. I know Bond's getting out of it. Okay. Bond's not going to die in the first 15 minutes. Like, well, my question can we speed it up just a little bit? My question is, and yes, that helicopter fight was entirely too long but my question is one of the first things bond does when he gets in that helicopter is he goes after the pilot he goes after the helicopter pilot and and tries to like knock him out and mind you this is over this is happening over a crowd of thousands of people hundreds and it's of like what there's just what so many are, people like what are you trying to do bond are you are you trying to crash this helicopter into this crowd of people because that it looks like that's what you're trying to do here you're trying to massacre these people he doesn't care they're all foreigners see that's the thing about <laughs> bond that you don't know like deep down like he only does that shit when, uh, you know he's like a racist xenophobe yeah he is <laughs> so he's there so he don't give a shit Give a shit about all those people in Mexico City. He wants to kill that one guy, and he'll take out you know a couple, a couple <laughs> thousand, just to get that one guy with the with the man bun. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, There's so, something. Yeah. And then they just get thrown out of the helicopter, which you know they probably landed somewhere and killed like probably and killed three people. Other people. Yeah, because it was over the crowd, so you know he landed in the crowd somewhere, and just, they probably. Just turned God. into a puddle, a puddle of blood and organs, just yeah. liquefied everywhere. Which they never show you that in Bond movies. No, no, they keep it PG thirteen. Someone needs to take this nope. shit darker. the The only time they show blood is when he has like a wound. Like if somebody <laughs> yeah. gets, sh- like if somebody gets shot, they'll show like blood on the shirt or whatever afterwards. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just it's unfortunate because again, like. We- pointed this out at the beginning <clears throat> it's a bond film so you know exactly what's going to happen right from the outset you know the story just about he's got it he's going to do something in a foreign land that's going to get him in trouble because he's just going rogue and then he's going to go rogue again and it's like oh shit is he not going to be able to do this oh no he is he wins and he sleeps with a woman or two yep doing you know but see, this is this is the thing. Like this one felt more like a classic Bond movie than the than the other ones with Daniel Craig to me. And if you're gonna go that route, then then you gotta go all in. So like you have Christoph Waltz as the villain, <laughs> and who who is so underutilized in this movie. What was the point? Because you think you're like, oh man, like this is it. Like he's gonna be this kind of evil genius super villain you know like the the, like the the dr evil style well let's first off let's throw this out here this is no offense to christoph waltz but this is such a boring casting choice i mean christoph waltz has done numerous villains before and he's fantastic at it they should have went with someone else right off the bat and then they go on top of that you know, you're all in, you're committed with Christoph Waltz, and then that's all you use him for? 
what was the point? Yeah, I, I, I was so disappointed with that. Like, I was, I mean, I think that that would have kept me awake if he had uh, a, a larger role in this. Now, the other, the other kind of henchman, you know, Jaws, Odd Jobs style character was Dave Batista as Hinks. His name's Hinks. Mm-hmm. And I liked his character, and I, I I actually really enjoyed the fight scene with him and Bond. Oh, the, was, yeah, that was that was I think that was my top my top uh, set piece action wise. I thought that was yeah. a pretty good fight. Yeah, same here. That was that was uh that was good, and he played. He was a good villain. Like he didn't really. We had he had one line, but yeah, which he, at least they didn't really do that. That was the other thing they kind of really didn't like about this film so many of those cheesy one-liner oh they're they're yeah there are plenty of plenty of plenty of one-liners in this one and those were just the ones that i was awake for too so <laughs> he probably missed a whole handful of them <laughs> probably did uh the q q was in this more than the previous ones which i like because I, I like the character of q but again i i feel like I would have liked to to have seen more gadgets and things like that yeah. come out of there. I do like that Omega watch though. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that's Omega a Omega watch. That's uh and I that's for sale. That's out there. The Spectre limited edition whatever. How much? I don't know. I don't know. I'll look it up. Um yeah, I, I just uh I I was now I'm not a huge Bond fan, nor nor are you. Yeah. Uh, so this doesn't really. I mean, going into it, it's like I don't know how a huge Bond fan would react to this movie. Maybe they love it. Maybe maybe that this is like the one for the diehard Bond fans. Yeah. But to me, it was just it was like a meh. Uh, there was nothing nothing really to it for me. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Because we talked about it last week, for me, like the first Bond, you know, one or two, I've only seen three now, but, you know, it's kind <laughs> of exciting because you don't know exactly the formula yet, but after watching two, I was like, okay, so that's the formula. That's what essentially what they probably do all the time. And then seeing this movie, it's yes, they do. And so, okay, that's fine. I can... I can let go of that because normally, you know, with these types of movies, what I'm here for is I want to see, I want to see these action set pieces. I want to see things that I'm never going to see ever. You know, I want to see a helicopter smash into a bridge. I want to see a whole compound of data collection explode. That, that seems like fun. And I got to see Mm -hmm. that and it was fun. So that's kind of what I'm here for. And just, Unfortunately, a lot of them were just kind of boring. There just wasn't yeah. that much excitement in these action set pieces. Yeah, yeah. The watch is $7,500. $7,500. Yep, looked it up. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't interesting to me. I didn't, I, at first I was, when I was going into it, I was like, oh man, it's a really cool idea because I, I didn't really know much about what the plot was going to be going into it, but I knew that, you know, there was this secret organization that's been kind of 
yeah. following Bond since the beginning and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's going to be like a mystery. He's trying to find this secret organization and stuff. But then when you find him, it's like, it was just lame. It was, it was lame. It was very anticlimactic. And then you find out like kind of like the reasoning behind it. Like yeah. what's, what's kind of driving him. And you're just like, are you serious? Yeah. What the fuck? And then even, not only that. You have, so you have that, which is there's really no personality. There's nothing really to the, you know, Bond v. villain. And you have a villain that just really doesn't have any charisma or anything. And then the the relationship with the Madeline Swan character played by Leah Sadu, like, <laughs> he just, like, okay, it starts off where it's like, uh-uh, this not happening. I hate you. Get away from me. And then it's just like, flip a switch. Boom, yeah. they're together. We're not developing shit. Bond mode. That's, that's like... <laughs> Just boom. They are totally in love now, and they're going to be with each other until the very end. It's like, well, how did they get to that point? Well, fuck you. We don't have to tell you that. It just happened. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it was really... The, the, the climax of the film was very disappointing as well. Very anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the last one that Craig's doing. This is the last one that Mendez is doing. I was hoping for a little bit more closure at this point. I, I was hoping that they could tie it all up in a nice little bow, and then for wh- whoever's going to take over the reins for the next one, director-wise and lead actor-wise, they could just kind of start fresh and pick up with a brand new story, but... No, there's like all these things, these all these dangling things left over. Yeah. That they're gonna have to well maybe they won't address it. I don't even know. But as far as how this ended, I was just like, Oh no. 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 Uh uh. No. Thank you. Yeah, especially the 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 very, very end on the bridge. It's just like what what? Okay. Fine. It's interesting though. After I saw after I saw this and I, I came back, I, I took a look on Letterboxd to see how other people were were viewing it, and people were liking this a lot. Really? I mean, it's not. It's not I mean, they're not. They're not, not loving it. It's but not terrible. It. It's not terrible, but sweet Jesus, this I could have spent that two plus hours doing something else, much more fulfilling and productive. Yeah, it's a hundred and forty eight minutes too. So we're we're talking like we're getting the. The two and a half hour mark here. Yeah, for one-liners and you know undeveloped characters. Why? Why do you need that much time to do nothing? I don't understand this. Why are yeah. why are all? Of, I, I I hate this new trend where it seems like every movie's like two plus hours now, and which would be fine if that time is used to make like a robust piece of filmmaking. And to, you know, develop characters and stuff, but it's not. That's not what happens. It's just shitty one-liners, cute, cute sayings, and then like flip a switch. They're totally in love forever. Nothing's ever going to kill their love. She's like, man, could you at least put a little bit of something into that relationship? There was a time when almost every big movie that hit the multiplex was ninety minutes. Like ninety minutes flat. That's your movie. In and out. That's what it is. And then. Slowly, yeah, it started developing into like two hours. The big ones, like you know, the big action spectaculars, were they were starting to get up there. They were getting around two hours, and now it's like two and a half hours is the standard for these really big, yeah. big budget movies. And you know what? That's fine if you can justify it, but 
so many times you have all this extra stuff, you know, it's like, you're just it's like Judd it. Apatow movies. It's like, there's no reason for that to be two and a half hours. Yeah. Trim the fat, guys. Trim the fat. Well, especially here. I mean, there's just, there's nothing. There's just a beginning and an end to their relationship, Bond and Dr. Swan. There's like absolutely no in-between whatsoever. Yeah. But it seems like we were we were with them for a really long time that there should have been a middle section to their relationship, but there didn't seem to be one. Yeah. Except that they had a nice little talk over some martinis that they never got to drink. No. No, they didn't. Yeah, this was uh this was a big misfire for me. I just I it was not holding my attention at all. And and it's rare that I actually fall asleep in movies, but with this one I just couldn't <laughs> couldn't stay awake. I just I checked out so hard on this one. And it's unfortunate. I probably am not going to be bothering with any of the future Bond movies unless they look like something really special. Now, I want to talk about the visuals because that was one of the things that made Skyfall so great. And that was one thing that everybody talked about was how amazing everything in Skyfall looked. And I feel like, at least from what I've seen of Spectre, it wasn't it wasn't quite there. It wasn't on the same level. Yeah. It felt pretty standard for me to to me for the most part. I would agree. I mean like there weren't any kind of like breakout moments where I was just like, Whoa, like the like the uh the nighttime skyscraper scene in Skyfall. Yeah. You know, where he's going through and it's just the, the the use of shadow in that yeah. scene. I just wanna watch Skyfall again. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go back and watch Skyfall now. Yeah. So not for me. Yeah. Disappointment. It's very, very disappointing. Like you know, and even the car chase with him and Hinks, whatever his name is, David mm-hmm. I mean, like, like just driving and driving and driving. And then, you know, occasionally Carl will fishtail here and there. But they're just driving down streets like nothing really exciting is happening. And you're just like, okay, yeah, you're driving through the streets around. Cool. Are we, gonna, yeah, do, are we going anywhere with this car chase or are we just following people? Other than that, the, the giant explosion and uh, the fight scene with Batista... Everything else I, f- I found to be pretty mediocre as far as the action set pieces. Yeah. The, again, well, yeah. again, I liked the opening scene. Everything uh, pre-helicopter. Basically everything before that first cut. Because there's a, there's, it goes from him on the ground in the crowd, and it goes all the way up until when he gets in position on the roof before there's a cut. Yeah. And so everything... Up until that point, and then also like right after the cut, when the something happens, yeah. Right after that, I was I was into that. How I thought that that was a uh, funny little bit where he landed on the couch, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, man, yep. It's unfortunate because when I got out too, that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to say about this? I'm just. You were struggling. I was. I was just struggling to Stay remember anxious. anything. <laughs> remember anything about the movie at all? I was trying so hard to, but like the the biggest thing that I remembered is that right before the movie started, somebody in our audience farted really loudly. <laughs> like as soon as the lights went down and like the credits started to come up, uh, someone farted. Just, someone just let it go. Yeah. Well, why not? I guess they. It was funny too because I think that they thought. That there was going to be like loud noise playing, 
So they thought they were going to be able to get away with it? Didn't happen. No, didn't happen. That's unfortunate. There was, I will say this, there's a sequence where some, some explosives go off and I wish there was like a little bit of a disclaimer because that shit fucked with my eyes big time with all the light flashes and everything. Oh yeah. When, um, I really like the series of explosions. Yeah. I really think that they should maybe put a disclaimer for people. I thought, yeah, I thought that scene looked kind of cool, but it's a bunch of, it's just a pile of meh. Yeah. 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 All right. There you have it. That's Spectre. Let's give this thing a score. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a, I'm going to throw out a five and a half out of 10 on this one. Five, five and a half. Somewhere in around that area. I'm gonna go five, maybe four and a half, five. There you have it, Spectre now playing. If you're a huge Bond fan, maybe this is worth checking out. But for me, I found it incredibly boring, and I, I just couldn't couldn't even stay awake for it. So that's it is what it is, and it is Spectre. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our watch list for the week. I saw a movie called PVC One. This is a, uh, a Colombian film that came out in 2007. I think it's Colombian. I'm, I'm pretty sure. It's a uh, it's shot in real time, no cuts, and it's about a it's a, it tells the true story of a, a group of terrorists who break into a family's home and stick a bomb around a woman's neck. And it's made out of PVC pipe, hence the title. Mm-hmm. And they basically say, oh, you have till such and such a time to give us a certain amount of money. It's So it's like kind of a kidnapping thing, but not really. I mean, they're not actually kidnapping her. They're basically just strapping a, a bomb to her and saying, you need to pay this much by this time or else the bomb's going to explode. So the whole movie is basically this woman and her family attempting to first leave their home and go to the authorities and then have the bomb squad try to get the bomb off. And it's all done in real time. And it is a pretty, pretty tense movie. I gotta say. I can imagine. It is a really tense movie. Uh, They did a really good job with the, the real time aspect of it. Now, because it is in real time, there are, some scenes where literally nothing happens for long stretches of time mm. because they kind of live out in the country. Yeah. So for them to travel like in town to get help, uh, it's all real time. So it just shows them going into town, just driving into town. And at, during this time, people, they're not really talking too much. So just be prepared if you're interested there are long stretches where there's literally nothing happening in this movie, but it the tension and the suspense definitely ramps up towards towards the end once the the bomb squad gets involved and stuff. But man, it, it's like they use such rudimentary methods to try to get this bomb off of her. I it was almost hard to believe. Like what they did, they literally took a pocket knife uh. and lit a candle held the pocket knife under the candle till it got really hot, and then slowly sawed away at the plastic pipe to try to cut a hole in it. And it's like, you guys don't have, like, a Dremel tool or something to just try to cut a hole in this thing? Someone can't pop down to the local mom-and-pop Ace Hardware and pick up a Dremel real quick? 
I, I, I couldn't... You could at least commandeer one, couldn't you? Or just something other than what looks to be a dull, rusty pocket knife. And a lighter. And a, and a, yeah, and the, the candle kept going out, so he had to keep lighting the candle. I mean, it was just a weird setup, man. And I get that it's Columbia, and they're, but, oh, but I, I don't know. I, yeah, I think they're a little more advanced than that. Yeah, exactly. And, like, they had... The way that they set it up is they basically put her on a chair and they they took her out to kind of a field and they had everybody stand way back, but everybody was watching and then they just had one bomb squad guy trying to to disarm this bomb. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. PVC one is the the name of the movie. I saw this on uh, Shutter, I believe the new horror streaming service. Yeah. All right. Uh, I saw one that I don't. I don't know if you ever got around to seeing this one. I went. I went back, back uh, into Mieke's filmography here and picked out the Bird People in China from 1998. No. no. Okay. I knew this was on our list back when we were teenagers, but we never got around to it. But I did it. I made the journey. I made the journey, Adam. And I gotta tell you. It's first off, it's a bit different because it's not really Mieke Mieke. It's like Mieke doing drama, and it seems more so of it had a really uh, like a Herzog flavor to it because he ends up going to this very remote part in China and just them trekking up this mountain to this you know village that's way off the beaten path. I mean, there's not even a beaten path a hundred miles around, and just. The, the the landscape shots that he gets and everything it, it kind of had a few, uh, a Herzog feel to it and all it is is uh, a salaryman and an Yakuza go to this remote Chinese village to well the salaryman's there to see if they have this vein of jade that they can you know go into business excavating and the Yakuza's there just to make sure that that this goes through and they can collect their money. And but they find out that this village is a little bit magical because it's got bird people. What kind of like bird people? But it, what it ends up turning out to be is Mieke is talking about globalization, which is different. There's not that many uh, weird things going on. There is a little sequence where they they eat some toadstools and things kind of get out of hand with fireworks and whatnot, and it gets a little bizarre. A shit ton of turtles are killed, or. Uh, I should say tortoises, maybe. They're all dressed up, too. Mm. And uh, it's it's a fairly interesting movie. The only thing about it is the, the narrative and what he what he's trying to say, his viewpoints and his philosophies and everything that he's, you know, getting across here. They're very, they're kind of thin. There's not much to them. There's not a lot of meat to it. And it just, he stretches it out for far too long that you get the gist early. And then they do not build on anything, and you just wait until it ends. Hmm. So it's like a light recommend, very light, like feather light. Hmm, okay, uh, I have a fairly light recommend as well, and that's 1986's Vamp by Richard Wink. This is a horror comedy of sorts that's about two two fraternity pledges who decide to there's going to be this big party and they kind of agree that they can get whatever the frat needs and 
the the frats like we need some girls so they're like okay well let's go get some girls we'll go to the local strip club and get some girls turns out the strippers in the strip club are vampires awesome yep and bad things take place uh i had uh i guess a relatively fun time with this one there's some kind of dumb 80s stuff in it there's some fun 80s stuff and then there's some kind of just dumb things that happen like for instance they all sleep in the basement in coffins obviously because they're vampires Mm -hmm. but the vampires in this movie have uh, a weakness to fire like they'll they'll be killed if you light them on fire okay so what do they do they sleep in a basement in coffins where there are giant barrels of gas everywhere. What? Why, Why would you have giant barrels of gas? Well, number one, who underneath even, the strip club? Who has giant barrels? Why does a strip club need so much yeah. gas? There's like three giant barrels of gas, and that's how spoiler for a movie from 1986. That's how they kill some of them by knocking over the barrels and lighting it on fire. Yeah. It's stupid. Like that that part of it was stupid, but it was kind of fun. It was goofy at times, but uh yeah, overall I I enjoyed it. It was this was one that I've been meaning to see for many years now and I finally watched it. I do find it interesting that Grace Jones is the head vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> kind of yeah, she uh she was kind of interesting i guess she didn't talk really well, i guess she did later on but for the most part she didn't talk in the movie grace jones don't need to talk her outfits in this movie were fucking ridiculous too yeah that makes sense, makes sense. part for the course <clears throat> yes yeah, so that's vamp light very light recommend uh i have one i uh, i wrote a review for it it's up on the site so more like you can just check that out is uh from Raul Prone called Herba, I guess. I don't know. I can't pronounce Spanish. I know I know number one that H isn't pronounced as an H, but fuck it, moving on. <laughs> uh it's an experimental film. Very, very experimental. Um uh, sixty-three minutes, no dialogue, silent film. All right. We got still cameras, we got tableau vivants going on, coming to life. And the, all the backdrops are paintings, Monet paintings. Uh, who else was there? Renoir, a couple other artists. I forget who exactly, but a lot of the impressionist painters. Those are the backdrops, and then these the the four character, the four central characters, a couple two women, two men. They're kind of projected. They're either projected on to the painting, or the painting's actually an actual backdrop, and they're kind of walking through it. Um, there's certain times where they kind of blend the characters into the painting itself. So it makes it look as though they're in the painting moving around. It's all fairly interesting. It's, I think again, and this is, I'm always going to be this way. The thing that really got me is that I really haven't seen this before and I don't know what to compare it to. I don't think any comparisons exist. At least if they do, I am completely ignorant of them existing and if they do let me know because i'd like to watch more of them and uh the best thing is you know it's very interesting the experiment going on here that uh doesn't doesn't wear out its welcome 
it's only 63 minutes. You know, it's not like it goes on and on and on. It does what it wants to do. Again, very intriguing, and then moves on. So, and my guess is, I doubt that I, you know, I doubt that this is going to come out. Anywhere. No, I don't think it's. This doesn't even have an IMDb page. No, to my knowledge. no, I had to add this to Letterbox. Okay, so and I and I was the only one that's seen it so far. But uh, you know, maybe down the road it might pop up on Fandor like in a couple of years or something like that. Cause honestly, when you see it, if you see it, you'll kind of understand, like, I don't know how the hell you can't market this. I mean, if there's, if this are, could be another like installation type mo- thing where, you know, like museum of moving image or something. Yeah. It would, no, it would definitely, of... it would definitely work in that capacity. Yeah. So check that out. If, if, uh, if, if it ever fans. sees the light of day. Hopefully, it Hopefully, I think it H is like an Araba, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I should uh, know. My wife even talks to me in Spanish, and I. It, well, I yeah, know. my my girlfriend speaks Spanish, so. Um, I saw one that I, I it might be one of my most hated movies of the year, and that's the Leisure Class. This is available on HBO Go or HBO Now. It's the Project Greenlight movie this year, so. I don't watch the show Project Greenlight, and after seeing this movie, I uh, realized that I'm very glad that I did not spend, I don't know how many episodes there are, we'll say 12, 12 episodes leading up to this movie, which is a complete pile of garbage. I just, oh my god, it is unbelievably horrendous. Is it better than the, the Battle for Shaker Heights? I didn't see that, so I don't know. Wasn't that like the that first one? Yeah, that looked bad. Yeah, that was the one with um, wasn't that that was the one with Shia LaBeouf? Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't see that one, so I don't know. I I've never seen the show at all. Even though it seems like a, the kind of show that I'd be interested in, it always has that kind of reality show vibe to it. That's always made me stay away from it. So anyway, this is directed by Jason Mann. It's basically about uh, it, it's a, it kind of takes place in an engagement party. Who and it, as it turns out, the the husband to be is lying about who he is. He's pretends to be this this guy who ha, who's like an expert in nonprofits and stuff, and he's basically trying to swindle. He was originally trying to swindle this guy out of some money, but things got a little bit out of control, and the guy introduced uh, him to his daughter, and he kind of fell for the daughter, and then they ended up getting engaged very quickly. And at the engagement party, this guy's brother shows up and he's kind of this crazy drunk. He reminded me of um, Dudley Moore a little bit where he's just constantly hammered the entire time and acts like a complete freaking idiot, non-human the whole time. This sounds where he just he just says like the most ridiculous, embarrassing things. He has no filter whatsoever. And it was just unfunny. It was not, it's a comedy, but it was not funny, even in the slightest bit. They tried to go down a little bit of a dark path towards the end, but that doesn't work either because they tried, they they make it go, they bring it down into dark territory, but then they, when this, this specific scene is happening, they occasionally interject some jokes into it here and there. 
to try to to try to liven it up lighten it up a little bit but those don't work so it just it has this really weird awkward tone to it and the characters are so underdeveloped that to be honest when i first put this on i didn't know that this was a movie or a tv show mm. like i didn't when i watch when i started watching it i didn't realize that this was the project greenlight movie I just saw it. Li- I just saw it listed as a new release on HBO, and I and it just from the synopsis, it sounded interesting, and I thought that it was like a pilot or something. <laughs> and uh, I realized that it was eighty six minutes long, and I was like, "What? What is this?" And it doesn't feel like a complete movie at all. It is. I'm done talking about it because it's not worth my breath. It is terrible. It's just an awful experience. <laughs> uh... That Project Greenlight just keeps churning out the hits. Shit. Uh, I mean, that's maybe the way, there was... That's the way to make a movie. From what I understand, there were, like, a lot of issues well, yeah, with it, production. It has, but... There has to be this. You know, if there weren't issues, it couldn't be a TV show. Like, just imagine if, like, everything ran smoothly and they just made a movie that was yeah. actually somewhat decent. No one would watch that TV show. Yeah, it's just terrible. Gotta have that drama. I have one. I have one One more. And this is... I, I will have a review for this at some point in time next week, hopefully. And that's Chris Swanberg's Empire Builder from 2014. Pick this up on... It is on Vimeo. Uh, Vimeo On Demand. I got it for rental. It's $2.99. Check this sample fe- out. It's a feature? It's a feature. 72 minutes. Hmm. Two minutes on that bad boy. Uh, I, th- I thought her first one was uh, unexpected. No, she even has one before this. It was great, but I was ready to come home from 2009. Mm. <clears throat> Which is also on Vimeo. One demand. You can pick that up. Uh, Empire Builder. Very, very simple. Very simple. Of course, you got the Swanberg baby in there. Front and center. Old Jude. Um Caitlin Scheel and Joe Swanberg play husband and wife, and she ends up inheriting a house in Montana. So she takes the baby, moves on out to Montana, this great swath of land with this house, and uh, they hire this guy that comes by and you know fixes up the house and the and the surrounding area and stuff. And a lot of time is going to pass before Joe Swanberg, the husband is able to come out and meet him. So guess what happens? Take yes. He's got this mm-hmm. Montana guy who's, you know, young, taking care of everything. So they end up getting a little bit of a relationship. What? Yeah, yeah. Starts off, you know, it's a will there or won't they situation where you know that they will because there's no one around. And it's a movie, so something has to happen. And uh, the interesting thing about this movie, what I liked the most is there's there's a small amount of things that happen and almost nothing is discussed. There's like, there's barely any dialogue. There's, you can tell that there's a million things running through these characters heads and we are not privy to anything until the very, very end. And then even then you are given just a little bit. And then where the film ends is it feels like it's where it should start because that's when shit's hitting the fan and you know you're going to have a lot of a lot of drama going on but no nope, just boom credits 
it's just it's very interesting filmmaking. It's, she doesn't communicate much in this movie, but at the same time, she communicates a lot, which is very bizarre. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I would say check it out. I, uh, yeah, I like movies like that. I like movies that do that. And it's, you know, again, I don't understand why it's, why isn't Chris Swanberg talked about more? And, you know, I, it's only, I've only seen this one, but just from this one alone. She, I, saw she, un, I saw Unexpected. Oh, you did? Yeah. How was that? I thought I, thought I talked about it a few weeks ago. You probably ago. did. Maybe I, probably maybe I skipped over it. Uh, it, was, it was okay. Okay. Huh. I didn't I didn't love it, but I didn't despise it either. You know, it'd be probably like solid like six or six and a half. All right. All right. It was, yeah, it was okay. And you said that that's available on Vimeo, that you can... Vimeo VOD. VOD Vimeo. And that's Empire Builder. I saw a documentary called Hot Sugar's Cold World. Interestingly, do you remember that movie Bomb the System uh, with Mark Webber, the one, yeah, the one about the graffiti artist in New York? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? No, but I, I know, I know what movie you're talking about. Well, then you do remember it. I remember it, but I don't remember anything about it. I just remember that it's a movie. Oh, okay. Well, I was just <laughs> confirming that you remember its existence. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure like how much you wanted me to remember. No, I, I was just asking if you recall the existence of that movie. Okay, gotcha. This is it's the same director that did this movie. So, uh, since you don't remember anything about Bomb the System, uh, one thing that I liked quite a bit about it was the cinematography. I thought I thought it looked really good. Remember that the one scene where they played the LP song, the Deep Space Nine millimeter, yep. and it was like slow motion. It looked really cool. I don't remember that. Yeah, well, it was really cool. <laughs> so this is a documentary about. The musician Nick Koenig, a.k.a. Hot Sugar. Are you familiar with his work? I have no idea who this person is. So I feel like I'm really is... letting you down because you keep asking me questions. I got <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm just trying to gauge your 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 knowledge level. I'll explain to you who he is. So he's uh, an electronic musician who instead of using kind of the like pre-rendered drum machines and like synth loops and all that stuff he he makes new sounds so he'll use like like the one thing he uses instead of using a traditional snare he threw a beanie baby against a wall and recorded that and used that sound as his snare gotcha so he's like he's like obsessed with sound and like specifically kind of natural not maybe not natural but just sounds that occur in our world yeah he he does use some instruments but he'll do it in a very kind of experimental way. Like one of the things he does early on in the movie is he goes out and looks for the most expensive piano he can find. And he finds one on sale for $900,000. And he pretends to be um, someone who's like a buyer for this big studio. And he goes and he records the sounds that from this piano and then uses that in one of his songs. Uh, okay and sometimes he sometimes he'll just he'll do simple things like he'll um like he went to that uh underground those like underground catacombs in paris where there's all those uh like skulls piled up you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. and he kind of like lightly lightly banged them together to create a sound and use that um one thing that he likes a lot that he talks about a lot in the movie is recording silence because like he'll go into a room and just record just like hit record because you know every room has its own 
version of silence, you mm-hmm. know, due to the very various factors. Yeah, that, because of the acoustics. Yeah. Sometimes he'll set up more kind of elaborate set pieces. Like he gets uh, Michelle Trachtenberg, the actress, to put pop rocks in her mouth, and he records that. He buys a whole bunch of fireworks and gets Martin Starr to shoot fireworks, and he records that. He got Jim Jarmusch to play with this little, like, drum machine app thing on a phone, and he recorded that. So there's, like, all these weird things that he does. He's he's basically just obsessed with sound and the philosophy behind sound. And the documentary kind of kind of just is a glimpse into his mind and his world. And it's not the reason I liked it. And I have a full review up on the site for this. The reason that I liked it is not, be, it's not a traditional rock doc and it's not a traditional kind of like talking head doc either. It's, it blends these kind of fantasy elements into it where, like I said, he sets up these kind of elaborate set pieces with people that are not entirely nonfiction. You know, they're, they're staged, yeah, but they're still, interesting to watch and there's still kind of a reflection on how he thinks and like his philosophies on life and stuff and it gets a little it's a little pretentious at times but it's still visually very appealing it looks gorgeous for the most part it's got this kind of harmony corinne uh like white trash chic vibe to it do you know do you know what i mean by that where uh, like in his, like the clothes that he wears, they look like these kind of like cheesy thrift store style clothes. And like the art that he has in his house is like the kind of art that you would buy at one of the beach shops in like Myrtle beach, you know, where he has this like portrait of a race car that has like led lights in it. <laughs> it's like the worst looking thing ever. And throughout the movie, you have these kind of periodic interludes where they just show like these old kind of animated gifs from that you would see like on AOL in 1998 come up on the screen like these really cheesy looking gifs oh boy and uh, but the thing is I really like his music I think his music's really good I would I would uh if you're not familiar with it I would I would say that he's kind of like a blend of uh Ratatat and Aphex Twin where his songs are, are more melodic than something that Aphex Twin would do, but he does like to experiment with lots of different sounds. Okay. And because all of the all of the sounds that he uses are captured by him in in the world through some means, uh most of his music sounds very original. Like it's just it like it all sounds different. Yeah. And unique. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I like about it is he was saying that there's a there's a each of his songs has like a narrative even though it's not really spoken it's not like a spoken narrative but there's a story but behind each of the sounds like i was this is where i was at this is the the situation that i was in so it was like i don't know i just i found that kind of interesting okay all right so i would recommend it it's produced by david gordon green and jody hill so it's it's got some <laughs> there's this really interesting scene too where he, him and Martin Starr look up a guy on Craigslist to buy fireworks from. And they meet up with the guy, and his, his face is blurred out. And it, they have this kind of altercation with the guy, and he's, like, really creepy. And it's clearly, even though his face is blurred, you can tell that it's clearly Pat Healy, the actor, Pat Healy, who's selling them the fireworks. 
So yeah, it's a it's an interesting movie. It's available now, I believe, on on VOD. Yeah. All right. Sorry, that was a little long winded. I didn't want to say it, but kind of was. Well, when I like <laughs> when I like a movie, I know there's there's some movies that I just have a lot. It is. I, I will about. say it. it it's it's different when we get to the watch list and you're talking about movies that you like because most of the time it's you like running through things that you hated. Yeah, yeah. So well, it, speaking- it it makes me feel good that you actually got some good movies in this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like talking about movies. I don't like particularly talking about movies that were just nothing. There's just nothing to them. There's nothing to say. Well, what, like um, Spectre. Yeah, like Spectre. Uh, so I saw Love. Gaspar knows love. I did plan on seeing this, and I did see it this week. And guess what? We remember we were doing Ryan watches a movie, and we talked about how you knew that there was going to be some 3D ejaculate oh, yeah. happening. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, you know it's in there. I didn't. I wasn't sure. I, I suspected that it would happen. It happens. So I was. Uh, I didn't hate love. I didn't love it either. I didn't love love. It is graphic in nature. There is a there is a lot of unsimulated sex in this movie. Like the problem that I had with it is, is that it was structured like a porno to me. You would have very small amounts of plot and character development followed by a very uh, lengthy, explicit sex scene. Mm-hmm. And because of that type of structure, uh, your your first instinct is to is much. It's sort of like a like the Raid Two or any other big action movie where you're just waiting to the next set piece, mm-hmm. you know, because you know it's gonna happen. You're just like, okay, well, let's just get through this, and then we'll get to the next, you know, big in this case sex scene. And uh, the, for the most part, the sex scenes were not. They were all shot the same way. It was like kind of this overhead view. I think that he. Like, fixed the camera over top of the bed so there wasn't a whole lot of camera movement during the sex scenes and they all looked pretty much the same for the most part now there were a couple scenes here and there where like the the main characters would have sex in like an alley or a club or in a gross bathroom or something Mm -hmm. and those were different but yeah for the most part it was like upside down fixed over top of the bed sex and um it was to me it was a little bit boring like like I get it, you know. I feel like you could, you could have showed the sex scene, but like made it a bit shorter and just got through it quicker. Because it's like if I want to watch a porno, I'll watch a porno. Yeah, I'm here to watch a movie. Like I I, I want to see a, a narrative unfolding. And to me, the characters were not interesting enough to carry that. So it it didn't really work for me. I didn't hate it as much as I I thought I was going to hate it, but it, I didn't hate it as as. Uh, as I originally feared, I just didn't love it. It looks amazing. I mean, I think that his movies all look really fucking good. And this, this one is far less disorienting. Uh, he, in his, in the other films, and, and again, I've only seen Irreversible and Enter the Void. Uh, in those two movies, it's uh, very disorienting to the viewer. Like he likes to flip the camera around, and he's like doing all kinds of crazy handheld stuff, and it's just swooping all over the place. This one is much more stable and grounded. the The story is all told out of sync, so like everything, you have to kind of piece the story together, which I, I liked. I liked that structure. Um, 
because I think it would have been far more boring if it was all just kind of a, a lateral, you know, timeline. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, the other thing that really bothered me was the fact that the main character has a son, and he names him Kespar, and then there's another character in the movie whose name's No. Just the fact that he felt the need to put his own name in the movie just bothered me. And the main character is a director, so... Almost every scene has some sort of movie poster in the background shown very prominently. So you have like a sallow movie poster back there. And I was just, sometimes I was just like, all right, come on, man, get off of it. So anyway, the only other movie I wanted to mention was Doomsdays. This is directed by Eddie Mullins and this stars Justin Rice and Leo Fitzpatrick. And basically it's a, it's a, an indie comedy about two guys that spend their days breaking into summer homes of people and mm-hmm. drinking their booze and smashing up their cars and then moving on to the next house. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, th- I think this is one you, you might be interested in, Kevin, because it's... I actually did it's see com- this one over the weekend on Netflix. And I was like, yeah. oh, I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I wasn't into it at first. At first, I was kind of like, eh, because the characters are really, really unlikable and they're just kind of gross and I kind of hated them. But, uh, where it goes, it it goes to some pretty interesting places and it's very quirky and I, I enjoyed it overall. So it was, it was quite good. And you can see it on Netflix Instant. So, okay. I think Eddie Mullins was a uh, started off as a film critic, and this is his first movie that he uh, wrote and directed. Okay, okay. Yeah, so check that out, Doomsdays. Let's move on and go over some predictions, shall we? So last week, Peanuts. Peanuts. You said 72, I said 76, actual 86. Ooh, all right, cool. Yeah, apparently that's pretty good, Spectre. You said 74, I said 78, actual 62. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the old Spectre. Oh, boy. Next week, the 33. This is the Chilean minor mm-hmm. biopic. I guess you could call it a biopic, right? Yeah, it's historical drama. Yeah, maybe. It's time passed that you can call it a historical drama. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, really. What's, I don't, I don't know what the, the, the cutoff param- is. Yeah, what are the parameters for historical drama? I'm not sure. What are you thinking on this one? Uh, this this looks really sappy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to say like a 52. I think that it might be scored a little bit higher than that. I'll say 63 on that one. And we also have By the Sea. This is the latest from Angelina Jolie. It's the one that stars her and Brad Pitt. There are a few reviews for this out now, and it's not... Uh, not looking good? No, it's not looking good. It's got like a 30-something right now. So I, I have not heard of this at all. I saw one trailer. It's definitely not my thing. I'm going to say 38. Let's say 30. 30. It's going to go 30. And finally, we have Love the Coopers. Uh, oh, this is this that one where it's like can't re-gift family. Yeah. <laughs> I do it. Oh God, what are you thinking on this one? Try as you might, but you can't re-gift family. Can't do it. I'm gonna say twenty-four. 
Uh, I'll say 18. <laughs> uh, that I, I, just, I don't know why, but I always find it funny when you know a movie's going to be bad when like the, the tagline or whatever takes up the majority of the poster. It, yeah. It's bigger than the actual actors and it's bigger than the <laughs> actual title. It just says, you can't read Get Family. Like that's, they're using that to try and hook you in. Like, oh, what do you mean you can't read Get Family? What's this all about? It's, it's, Wait a minute. I want to see this now. <laughs> I need to figure this out. It's kind of funny. I want to check this movie out. So you got zingers uh, like that in there. Which we also have don't. in, yeah. <laughs> In limited release next week, we have Shelter. That's the directorial debut from Paul Bettany. Okay. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that one. It's about, uh, I think, t- two homeless people. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. If, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Man Up. That's the one with Simon Pegg and, uh, is it Lake Bell? Yes. I saw this at Tribeca. I did not like it. It's a pretty standard rom-com. All right. Entertainment, the newest one from Rick Alverson. Jesus, please give it to me. This one I can recommend. When, this one is. When do I get it? Next next week. Oh my god, I can't wait until next week. Yeah, we'll we'll probably review this on the show because uh, this comes out on VOD as well. We also have James White. That's the. I've been looking forward to this one for a while as well. That's the one with the guy from. He was in Girls, right? I don't. No, about girls. I'm going to say yes. I'm just going to go with it and say yes. I'm looking it up now to see if I'm right. Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the, the guy that was in Girls. Yep. And, and yeah, Cynthia Nixon. Christopher Abbott and Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, got some Ron Livingston in there too. Yeah. Uh, next week on Video On Demand, we have uh, Shelter Heist, which is uh, one with... I think De Niro's in that, and maybe Adrian Brody, too. It looks actually pretty bad, and uh, entertainment okay. as well. So pretty pretty light week on the VOD front, but I absolutely can recommend entertainment if you're a fan of very awkward comedy. Comedy that is so awkward and dark that it Stop. I don't even know if it can Stop. be considered comedy anymore. Spoilers, you ruin it for me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Sorry. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for entertainment for what feels like three, four years now. If you like the comedy, yep. odds are you will like the entertainment. Sweet Jesus. Or entertainment. Fantastic. So. Next week on Blu-ray, it looks like Star Wars is coming out. They're putting out a new edition of that on Blu-ray. All of them, including the prequels, okay. are going to be coming out. Right. Mr. Holmes, that's the one with um, Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. Sir Ian McKellen. We have Terminator Genesis. Oh, so if you if you miss that one, it's coming out. Uh, that one, I if you like the Terminator movies, I think it's better than the third one and the fourth one. Okay, but you know if you if you're not already a big Terminator fan, almost the whole movie just feels like fan service, really. Gotcha. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Selfless. It's one with. Uh, I feel like I'm just drawing blank. Ryan Reynolds. I'm just drawing blanks on names today for some reason. Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD is getting a Blu-ray release. The classic trauma movie. What? Yep. Trainwreck comes out on Blu-ray. 
Tangerine comes out. Highly recommend that. I, I, Great. there's, yes. I don't know. There's just something about that movie. I just, I loved it. I can almost guarantee it. That movie will be on my top 10. Bound to Vengeance. That's a pretty bad horror movie that I can't recommend. Although it does have a really good cover. Pay the Ghost, Nicolas Cage. That's pretty much it. Okay. What do we have on the Criterion front? We got one. Anarchy coming to Criterion. Code Unknown from 2000. Getting the old Criterion treatment. Which I will have a review for this on uh, tomorrow. Monday. Well, when are you going to hear this? When's this section come out? Um, you know what? I, I'm I'm probably going to release the whole thing on audio. Okay. Ahead of time, I'm still I'm still working out the how I want to do it. Gotcha. As far as the releases and all that stuff, so it comes out Tuesday. We'll have a review up if you listen to this after Monday. The review. And uh, just to give you a heads up, um, it should be interesting because I have no idea how to review dvds or what you should do so i'm just made up my own parameters of a dvd review so uh yeah should be interesting because i thought about for a second for a second i thought about like looking up other dvd reviews to see like what's everyone do but then i said that's stupid i'm just gonna make up my own thing and have probably have it fail miserably i think it's it's probably fine whatever whatever you're going to do when I, the first review, the first Blu-ray review I did, I, I went to blu-ray.com and I looked up how they review stuff because again, like we don't do a whole lot of product reviews on our site. We mostly do movies that are in theaters and on VOD and stuff. So yeah, the first time I did a Blu-ray review, I was like, what, what, like what, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Cause cause you're essentially reviewing a product. Yeah. Instead of like a, a movie going experience, like a movie watching experience. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a little different. It's a little different. I mean, as long as you talk about a lot, like the special features and stuff. Uh, that's all I'm talking about. So I'm not going to talk about the movie at all. Just a heads up. Mm, do whatever you want. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is the movie any good? Uh, Code Unknown. It's all right. I don't think I've seen that one. It's okay. Is this is this the first time you saw it on Blu-ray? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. First time on Blu-ray. I saw it a couple of years ago, but back when I saw it, it was just DVD. I don't think I saw this one. Did, did was this one of the ones we watched for our Haneke? I think it was retrospective because I do not remember this movie at all. I'll have to research that and see if I actually saw this or not. Uh. Because if it, if it was, I don't remember a damn thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, without giving away too much, is it a, is it a good Blu-ray release? Uh, I think so. Uh, in the sense that I watched the, the, the supplements, as they like to call them at Criterion. And the supplements are robust enough that I want to watch Code Unknown, even though I didn't like it the first time and really have no interest in seeing it watching the supplements got me kind of got me kind of jazzed up to watch it again and maybe do it you know reevaluate cool yeah so i guess that's that's good that's cool uh i should mention i I was just looking at the list here it looks like shadows and fog from 1992 is going to be out on twilight time this uh this week as well okay which Twilight Time is like, that's like the Criterion 
I don't know. Is it a so? Do, do you know anything about Twilight Time? Is it? I don't know if it's associated with Criterion, but it's like the uh, limited edition. I've never heard of these Blu-rays. You never heard of Twilight Time? Huh. Yeah. So basically, they limit the the release. So Shadows and Fog, the the Woody Allen film, it's going to be coming out on Tuesday. It's limited to three thousand copies. What? Yeah. Yeah. You should look up some of these Twilight Time releases because some of them are really really good. Hmm. But they're they're all like uh, limited, very limited release uh, movies. That's so. interesting. Uh, I think that that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a minute to look take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.